This week's episode is brought to you by Mobile UX London, Europe's most forward-thinking UX and design conference. It is on the 20th of November. It's in central London, and it's looking at how new modes of technology are forcing us to change the way that we approach design. It's covering areas such as virtual reality, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, and of course, voice. Speakers include Peter Hodgson, Senior UX Design Lead at Google, Jennifer Greenway, Principal UX Researcher at Just Eat. It's going to be an immense event. You can head to mobileuxlondon.com and use the promo code VUXWORLD to save 20%. Now, without further ado, let's get on with today's show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World, the Practical Voice Podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Smolly. She is the co-founder and VP of Strategy for Voiceit. Voiceit are an absolutely immense company. They are. It's an admirable company. What they're doing is they're working on giving people a voice. Who have people who have uh, non-standard speech, should we say? So people who might have had a stroke, they may have uh, cerebral palsy or some other condition that, that affects their speech. So these people will not be able to be understood by something like Alexa or something like Google Assistant or Siri. These people will have a hard time communicating with other humans because their speech is is uh, being affected to the point where it's difficult to understand. What voice they are doing with their technology? is they're enabling these people, which is millions of people across the world, they're enabling them to be able to speak. It uses text-to-speech, it uses uh, synthesized speech via an app, and once you've configured it, you can then just speak into it, and it will understand what you're saying, and it will speak for you. It is an immense technology that has a potential to open up voice technology to the rest of the world. There's all this stuff about voice being accessible, but this makes voice truly, truly, truly accessible. Today, we're speaking to Sarah all about Voiceit. We're going to get into the detail about the platform and what it does. It's part of the Alexa startup program, so we're going to be talking about that as well. And Sarah's going to give us a demo as well. We're going to hear Voiceit in action, and we're going to discuss some of the challenges that exist out there in the voice space for people with non-standard speech and the importance of the mission that voices are engaging on engaging on embarking on that's the word embarking on <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is vux world so sarah smolly welcome to vux world Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yes, fantastic to, for, for you to join us. Um, shout out to Lily Rogers, by the way. I know she's not with us anymore, but Lily kind of introduced us and made all this stuff happen. So thank you, Lily, for making it happen. <laughs> Lily's fantastic. <laughs> um, I heard that she's practicing her uh, English accent as well out in London. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe improving and uh, maybe I'll learn a little bit of that too <laughs> <laughs> nice so welcome welcome to vux world um i come across voice it um we were at a uh, an event that vase put together in london a few weeks back i met lily there and i kind of that's the first kind of exposure i had to voice it and it sounds like an absolutely incredible uh platform or system let's tell the vux world listeners a little bit about yourself first sarah and then we'll move sure. into telling us a little bit about voice it Sure, absolutely. Um, and thanks again for uh, inviting us uh, to talk about Voiceit. Um, so um, my name is Sarah, and I'm one of the co-founders of Voiceit. We are a, a small startup uh, based in Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, we're uh, basically uh, technologists. So besides for me, um, speech recognition experts, uh, machine learning, uh, signal processing uh, so sophisticated uh, technologists. Um, myself, I came to Israel um, after spending a long time in Asia. I was in a biotech uh, startup uh, in Hong Kong and then in Korea for about five years. Um, and that's really where I started to um, 
get into the world of technology and at the same time, um, the world of uh, innovation and entrepreneurship. Um, so it sounds kind of unlikely, but I started my kind of startup journey in South Korea. And then about uh, three years ago, I came over to uh, Israel and that's how I met um, the co-founders of Voiceit, uh, Danny Weisberg and Stas Tomkin, who are now the uh, CEO and CTO of our company. And I'm now managing our uh, business development and strategic partnerships um, in the U.S. and Israel and now also throughout Europe. So um, we're in an exciting kind of time of transition and, and um, building our team and building our community Fantastic. Good place to, to get into technology, South Korea, I imagine. I'm pretty sure they make most of the world's hardware, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Korea, uh, it's uh, definitely, um, you know, uh, very strong in the area, uh, in, in technology generally. I would say, though, in the world of, uh, in startup worlds, or I like to say kind of in startup land, um, it's, um, relatively new in, um, you know, in, in the culture and in the society. Um, and that's part, was kind of what I started to learn, you know, while I, while I was there is, you know, um, kind of seeing as the country and specifically in the Seoul metropolitan area um, built the infrastructure and the um, really a culture around um uh, innovation and, and, and startups. So it was a really exciting time to get into uh, uh, startups. And then, um, and then when I came to Tel Aviv, that's, um, you know, a, you might be uh, familiar with, but there's a whole energy of, of uh, startup culture and entre entrepreneurship um, over there. And, um, it, you know, uh, <laughs> one of the most energetic places to uh, be building a startup company. Yeah, I've, I've come across quite. There's quite a few startups coming out of Tel Aviv. Like I've I've noticed that cropping up here and there. And yeah, in, interesting work week over there, isn't it? it uh, yes. Isn't um, it? What is it? You have Friday off and you work Sunday, something like it, that. Yeah, we <laughs> Sunday to Thursday. Uh, Sunday to Thursday, so it's Friday and Saturday off. Um, but that's sort of if you're a sort of standard work week. I think when you're an entrepreneur. There aren't those kind of uh, <laughs> boundaries. So we were pretty much around the clock. And especially because we're working in a bunch of different time zones. Um, and a lot, of a lot of times virtually. I mean, right now I'm, um, I'm on the East Coast in the U.S. And um, just, just coming back from the West Coast. Um, my team is in Israel. We're working in Europe. So it's really uh, kind of a nonstop uh non-stop work uh <laughs> environment so you're pretty yeah. much so tel aviv i don't know exactly the time difference of tel aviv but i know that we're kind of like something like seven hours or eight hours ahead of the west coast so tel aviv is probably even even further ahead perhaps so you probably not only are working seven days a week but given the time scales you're probably working 24 hours a day uh yeah i mean uh <laughs> It, it it's true like it the time difference is definitely um definitely impact but it's not really work when you're um really um uh, focused on something that's really meaningful and um and just really so exciting and 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 stimulating and potentially powerful in in you know the project that we're working on and and the team that we're building so i I, it's definitely um, requires high energy, um, but I wouldn't actually call it work. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. They always say that yeah. if you find something you enjoy, you'll never work again. So tell us <laughs> a little bit about the, you mentioned the, the, the thing you're working on and, and how it's, you know, everyone's kind of really passionate about it. Tell everybody what voice it is and what it is that you that you are doing over there at Voice It. Yeah. So Voice It, um, We've built a uh, speech recognition system for non-standard speakers. And our focus is people with different um, speech and motor challenges or disabilities. So this can include um, uh, children with cerebral palsy or autism, 
adults with stroke, ALS, Parkinson's disease, um, and many other situations that for whatever underlying kind of medical uh, condition, um, their, their speech is unintelligible uh, to the people around them. And that means that even the most basic tasks, so something like um, ordering a coffee at a nearby cafe or asking for directions, or even like saying, I love you, is nearly impossible. And so what we've developed is a speech recognition technology that learns each person's unique pronunciation and then continues to learn and adapt over time. So even if the person's voice changes um, as a result of a degenerative disease or along with speech therapy, um, the machine learning mechanisms are designed to learn as the person uses it. And with that, um, it enables uh, human-to-human communication, um, which is verbal communication, enabling the person with the unintelligible speech to speak spontaneously in the most natural and human form that there is, uh, their own voice. Fantastic. And you are part of the Amazon Alexa startup program, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we just announced, uh, I think, a few weeks ago. It's, uh, Congratulations. It was an exciting it? announcement. Thanks. Yeah, so what's, what? tell us about that. What, what's that entail? What does that involve? Yeah, so um, we're part of the Amazon Alexa Accelerator, um, which is powered by Techstars, um, which is also a, a prestigious startup accelerator program. And um, along, um, it, as part of this program, we're exploring opportunities with, um, with the Amazon Alexa folks in potential collaboration um, and also receiving support from um, different teams, uh, business and technical teams across Amazon and the Amazon Alexa specifically uh, division, um, as well as the greater uh, Seattle uh, technology community. Um, and um, we, the program started uh, about a month ago and we're really overwhelmed like with um, n- not just like with the um, real like co- sort of concrete support um, and by support, I also mean investment. So the um, so as part of our participation in the accelerator, we also announced um, investment by uh, the Amazon Alexa fund. So in addition to that kind of, you know, real uh, support, there's also um really great enthusiasm and um, appreciation for um, our mission and the um, products that we um, that we're developing and the real impact that they can have and um, you know getting this sort of buy-in from um, the technology community and the leaders in the in the this space has been, you know, really meaningful, and we're really looking forward to strengthening our collaboration and, you know, our um, and our partnerships with um, with the companies, you know, that 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 we're working with and our other uh, business and and supporters within the community. Mm. So, does that mean that we might see some version of Voiceit on the Echo or Alexa? platform at some point is that mm-hmm. kind of how closely you is that <laughs> how closely you're getting or, or not yeah well um unfortunately because of the nature of our partnership and the you know sort of non-disclosure uh kinds of agreements um i can't share too much um on the logistical or technical level and the sort of um in, in the sort of collaboration that we're discussing but um what I can emphasize, what I can emphasize, is that our work with um, the Amazon Alexa teams and and also with um, with Microsoft, uh, you know, their neighbor in Seattle. Um, we also recently um, announced the um, investment by M12, which is Microsoft's uh, venture fund, and so you know we're really overwhelmed with the support um, and you know the um, kind of uh, enthusiasm that we've received, you know, uh, from Microsoft as well. And um, what I what I um, what I can say, although I can't really talk too much um, in, in too many specifics, is that all of these discussions are very much in line with ultimately the, the vision for Voice It, which is 
um, speech recognition that's truly accessible uh, to everyone who really needs it the most. And that becomes increasingly important as voice-driven technologies become increasingly mainstream uh, in our lives. It also means that many of the people who can benefit the most and actually kind of need these voice technologies the most because they have, you know, motor control challenges or physical limitations that um, that mean that they may need to rely on human caregiver uh, support to, you know, accomplish basic tasks. And voice can really solve many of these issues. But if you can't access it, then the technology is not being leveraged to its full potential. And so when we're, you know, discussing our technology with um with these companies, um, it's really all aligned with our um, ultimate goal, which is to enable um, accessible speech recognition um, to enhance independence and ultimately quality of life for um, the people in our community. Because mm. it's, it's mad, isn't it? Because accessibility is one of the things that, that gets kind of all these voice assistants get a real positive spin and a lot of tick ticks in the boxes from an accessibility perspective, don't they? Because, you know, for example, if you're blind, then you might struggle to use, a, um, you know, you might need a screen reader or whatever. You might struggle to use a, a graphical kind of user interface or whatever. Um, or, for example, if you might be, um, I don't know, elderly, not interested in, in the internet or whatever, but there's a load of kind of like older people that really love the sort of the smart speakers and that. So, the way that the that these this technology is kind of being branded, it's already being branded as an accessible or more accessible form of technology, but that's not strictly the case, is it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that um, that first of all, awareness of um, the gaps in accessibility in emerging technologies is definitely growing, um, and I always appreciate when I um, hear. Um, you know, executives at, you know, the leading technology um, companies and uh, product managers talk about accessibility as a priority. Um, And at the same time, like there are truly amazing advances in making sure that, um, that these technologies are, um, you know, uh, accessible. Um, uh, But at the same time, there's still, um, there's still ways to go. the particular problem that you know that we have um, that we aim to address is when um, someone with non-standard speech um, is trying to access a voice uh, technology um, and is effectively left out um, of this whole wave. Um, but there's there I think there's other challenges that um, still remain to be addressed. Um, but I think that like we've come a long way and there's truly commitment from, um, you know, major players to make sure I think that, that these are addressed. And I think that's really, uh, a huge step for, um, for our like society and our, our technolo- technology community. Definitely. Definitely. We'll come on to, to discussing a little bit about how voice it works and stuff like that. And maybe we can do a bit of a demo of it in a second, but where did the, where did it all sort of come from? Where did the, the idea... Because I don't know too much about the technical detail to get it to where it is, but it's an immense challenge to even think about pursuing. People who, I don't know, maybe they've had a stroke and, and you know, another human might might find it difficult to understand them, yet this voice system can, can understand them, can allow them to speak, and it's it's a fantastic piece of technology. So where did where did it all start and what gave voice it the kind of the ambition to go and to go and try and solve this this problem? Yeah, so um so I'll start by saying that that it comes from a personal story. And um even now I would say that the members of, of our uh, of our team and um, and our other and our you know business supporters um, kind of ha- you know share sort of a per- maybe a, a personal interest um, in this mission and um, the original idea started from um, the experience of um, of my co-founder and our CEO uh, Danny uh, when his grandmother had a stroke. 
And quite suddenly, um, she was unable to speak clearly and to communicate basic uh, wants and needs. And from that personal experience, he realized that this is a challenge and this is a problem that actually touches millions. And it's, um, you know, for lack of a better word, an unspoken um, (laughs) challenge. Um, You know, it's not uh, talked about. um, And um he just he also realized and so this is that was sort of his motivation to start a company that would um facilitate um verbal communication um in this way cool so tell us tell us about how it works then so if if I don't know if I'd had a stroke or if, if one of my relatives had had a, a stroke or, or some other thing, uh, maybe cerebral palsy or whatever, which, which is kind of inhibiting their ability to speak um, as, as the, an average person would in inverted commas. Um, what does it, what does this thing look like? How does, how does it work? Like what, what would be the process to, to get somebody up and running with voice? It Sure. So, um, so I'll start by explaining that we um, we're actually building two kinds of products um, that with using our, our underlying uh, technology. The first product, um, and that's um, the product that I can demo for you uh, in a moment, it enables human-to-human communication. So um, we've built a mobile application. Um, it can be used on any smart device. Um, right now we're testing on iOS um, with um, you know, an iPad or an iPhone. And with a really um, intentionally you know, simple and intuitive interface, the person will train the software um, and then um, be able to, uh, as they speak, the um, uh, the application will translate what they're saying in um, uh, in both text and voice, like synthesized speech output. Um, so that's our first product. The second product um, that we're exploring um, in parallel is. Um, more than human-to-human uh, communication enables human-to-machine uh, interaction. And that's where, um, you know, integration, software integration um, comes into play, where um, the, um, the technology enables, um, you know, uh, can, can enable something like a, smart, a voice-activated smart assistant to be accessible to someone with a... Um, uh, speech impairment as well right so it's so voice it isn't uh, isn't an assistant itself it's the engine that gives somebody who who has trouble speaking a voice exactly right the um um our core technology is speech recognition um the question um like what you're referring to of the intent of the person's uh, speech is um, is quite a different uh, technology, and in fact, that's um, a major focus now in the industry, where you know all the major um, companies in the space are are working on um, addressing the question of natural language understanding, um, the question of uh, of speech recognition of the system being able to recognize the person's uh, speech patterns. Um, that's what we're we're focusing on. And when you mentioned there that somebody who gets whole, you know, if they get they get the app and they'd have to train it or set it up, what does that entail? Yeah. Oh, it, it it's quite simple. Um, it the um, the users uh, very often with the help of a caregiver um, or a speech or occupational therapist will. Um, follow a series of prompts to record uh, words or short phrases um, a couple of times. So it, it can take um, kind of depending on, on the person's um, kind of, um, it, it, it will kind of vary um, from person to person. Um, so you can imagine that someone with a speech impairment will sometimes, um, you know, uh, might ha- might be challenged to um, have a long session of of you know re- of recording, um, but generally it's between you know, like it can be thirty minutes um, to a couple of hours. Then after that, they can 
um, they've created what we call a personalized dictionary or a customized speech bank, um, which enables them to um, uh, speak um, aloud each of those, you know, like words or short phrases, and then um, be translated, so to speak, in real time. Um, and I can show you kind of how it works if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Right now. Um, so, um, so this is the application. So um, I've just opened the application. It's, um, as I said, really simple. If you're familiar with Siri on an iPhone, um, generally, um, basically what it looks like, a clean, uh, clean recognition screen, you'll see like at the bottom, there's uh, movement, the wave at the bottom. Um, is indicating that the system recognizes that there is speech being spoken. However, um, however, it's not the um, uh, it's it's not the voice that they um, I'm sorry that the system um, um, has learned. In other words, like like I I didn't calibrate the system. Now I'm going to to show you um, uh, kind of introduce you to a few of our users. Um, so I'm going to play some recordings of their voices. Um, they're speaking in English. And, and first, you can just, if you, if you would um, kindly just listen and, and let me know if um, you're able to understand a bit of what they're saying. So I'll listen. And what I'll do is I'll try and see whether I can guess what this person is saying. And then... You can show us the voice it version, and we'll see if we're right. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, that sounds uh, that sounds good. Um. So I'm going to introduce you to um our first um kind of demo uh, user here, and her name is Arit. She's a young woman, um, about my age, a great friend and supporter of our company. Um, she's going to speak a few words uh, in English, um, and I'm, so I'm just going to play um. A few recording, uh, like a recording of her voice. No, I can. Guys, thank you for it. Do you know why? Okay. Um, I think I heard thank you, but I don't know. Everybody, everybody listening, whether you're on your commute or whether you're driving or got headphones in, have a think about what you think that says. And Sarah, you can show us what the situation is. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay, so I, okay, so I'm going to open the application. Um, and so back to the main screen there. Um, and start. Whoops. <laughs> Okay, wait, let me, I'll open the application. And, um, and again, like it should translate, um, you'll be able to hear the synthesized speech output, but there will also be like a text on the screen as well. Now I can. Now I can. Start. Start. Speaking freely. Speaking freely. To have. To have. To normal A normal life. Wow, that's fantastic. So, um, so actually, the first example is um, we actually consider it to be some actually more of a um, mild um, kind of Im- mild impairment. Um, so, I'm going to show you another example that is um, is a s- somewhat more unintelligible, sort of on the spectrum of what we call clinically uh, dysarthria um, or um, uh, speech Im- impairment. Um, the second individual um, is an older gentleman um, with multiple sclerosis, and here is his voice. Right, right. And then, um, bravo. And uh, using voice it. Raindrops. Raindrops. And then. In the air. Um, Four. Rainbow. Rainbow. <laughs> that is fantastic. So, do you need? Would would they need to um, essentially configure the system to understand when the person is saying those words, or will it? 
Well, you have to train it for some words and then it recognises and it'll just pick up new words after that. Do you need to train it for everything or does it learn? That's a really good question. We, we've we kind of developed two, um, two products. Um, the, in the first stage of the, um, like the, the, the first version of the technology that, um, that we've developed and we're testing now is designed to recognize what has been pre-calibrated. So that means that the person is prompted to record, um, you know, words or, you know, short phrases, and then they can, they can say and, 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 and have translated those words or phrases that, that have been, um, that have, that have already been, um, calibrated to the system. So this also means that it's completely customized to the speaker without any assumptions about their underlying phonology or, um, you know, capability of producing sounds. It's, you can kind of think of it as a totally new language. Um, and for this reason, it also means that our technology is in this version is language independent. So that's why we're able to test it, um, in Hebrew, in Israel and in English here in the U S. Um, and we're now testing uh, throughout Europe. Um, we are funded by the European Commission um, uh, Horizon 2020 program. So that's uh, supporting our testing and commercialization in Europe. So we're testing now in, um, in British English and um, Italian, uh, Spanish, um, and soon uh, Italian as well. Um, but of course, the accompanying limitation is that it's only designed to recognize what has been pre-calibrated. Um, in a version that we are currently in, um, like a research and development stage, will enable more continuous speech so that after a short uh, calibration phase, the system should then be able to extrapolate to any word in the person's given language. And this will enable, um, you know, a sort of continuous or spontaneous free speech as well. Wow, that's... Fantastic, that isn't it. That's so. Presumably, then, if it can work in 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 different languages and it's not language specific, is it kind of as opposed to translating the words as like a text to speech thing would do? Is is it kind of like matching a sound with words that you give it? Is that kind of how it works? Is it kind of like recognizes the shape of a sound and then it will attach a word to that sound, or or is it a kind of speech recognition? engine that's in there yeah i mean it's it's a um it's a combination of of um sort of state-of-the-art speech recognition technologies and our um and it's you know completely proprietary so it's what we've um and our technologists have uh developed um there is an element of um kind of advanced pattern matching um as well um and um, different uh, speech recognition te- techniques, also. Wow. And how how do you kind of um, how how did you, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you must have had quite a lot of user involvement for in in this? And it sounds like something that requires. I mean, all voice stuff needs a huge amount of testing anyway. <laughs> but for this in particular, it sounds as though you would have had to test this to within an inch of its life. So, how did you approach the creation of something, and how did you find people to test with, and and what was all of that sort of situation like when you were building it? How did you how did you find people, and how did you approach testing it? Yeah. So truly, um, the reason we've been able to get really this far is the real engagement of our community. And these are people really all over the world um, who might have a a speech impairment themselves. Um, It might be a a family member, a caregiver, a medical or therapy professional uh, with clients, um, with, um, uh, you know, different, um, kinds of, uh, impairments or a disability and with, um, their engagement, we've, um, we started by uh, collecting, uh, large amounts of data, um, from people, um, from around the world. And from there, we've, um, we recently op- uh, opened a, um, we recently started a, a closed beta, so um, a, a beta testing program that we are 
um, now implementing with uh, institutional partners, um, again, in Israel and, and Europe and in the U.S. And these are hospitals, schools, care centers, uh, research universities, disabilities organizations um, that you know, we, that have, um, that are now supporting us in the testing and in, um, obtaining really valuable user feedback, um, and, um, input for our technical teams. And it's really from the support of these institutions and their leadership, um, you know, from both the administrative level and from the therapists, um, and really from all of the people involved that, you know, interact also daily with um, with our potential users and our current testers. Um, that's how we've um, been able to get this far. And I know that going forward, um, this continual engagement and, um, you know, kind of the, you know, this community that is similarly, um, you know, excited about about our mission, um, this is what will ultimately um, bring, you know, let us come to the success that we envision. Mm. I think it's it's no surprise that you found so much support, I think, because when I, when I first come across Voice It, I thought that it was in some way, shape or form linked to or related to kind of like voice assistance in some way. I, I, I thought my initial kind of thought process was that voice it is itself some kind of assistant and it all and what it does is it will understand people who have non-standard speech and then it will go and do something. So similar to how Alexa, you would you would ask it something and then it will go and do something or Siri, you would ask it something and it return something. I kind of thought that it was that it was that, but actually it's it's far better bigger than that because it's not just or oh, ask something to do something they'll do it it's actually giving people who don't have a voice a voice which is that's massive isn't it uh, absolutely and you said it um you, you said it perfectly it's giving um giving people uh with speech disabilities their voices back and that's ultimately our mission. Um, however, it's it also um, you know it also means it, more broadly, eventually, yes, to be integrated into smart assistants to um, allow access uh, to this community. Mm. And I mean, I mean, whether we'll see what comes out of the Alexa startup program and stuff like that, but. But would there be, um, do you see further down the line a, a way of, of either licensing VoiceIt or allowing kind of like third parties to, to use it to, to kind of improve that? Because I know that we've got Alexa and, and Google Assistant and all that sort of stuff, but, but those are just the voice assistants. The voice as an interface to technology is much bigger than, than those. So can you envisage a way of, of, of kind of either licensing voice it out or a way of kind of extending it beyond um, those assistants? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I mean, the the whole industry or, or this whole gr like really growing um, world of, of, of voice-driven technologies is very new. I think it's very fair to call to say that the year 2017 was a voice revolution um, where, you know, suddenly, um, you know, the, the, you know, the smart assistant or the personal assistant is, you know, a, a household name. Um, and that also means that um, it's it really just leave it up to the imagination of how voice uh, technology is going to impact our lives already. You know, there is, um, it, you know, voice, um, uh, activation in our vehicles. Um, there is, um, the, the whole, the whole context of the, of the smart home that's voice activated. Um, and I think we really just seen the tip of the iceberg, um, where, you know, in the direction that voice is taking us. And that means that for our company, um, there's a whole variety of ways that we can uh, contribute uh, to the space and add value to customers that also want to take advantage of the great benefits of speech technologies. Mm. And where where is the, I know that you mentioned there, you, you've kind of been working with, with Amazon and stuff like that, but where do you see the future for 
voice it and for, for, for voice technology from an accessibility perspective where do you see the voice it journey going yeah well first and foremost um we are committed to um we're committed to, um, you know, our community in making sure that our uh, technology and the products that we developed are accessible to those who need it, um, that we're addressing the problem um, that we've identified, you know, that we're working along with our our users and, um, you know, all the other stakeholders um, in, um, you know, in this space to, um, to really help to solve really, um, to to solve real problems. in a, you know, a, a, a practical way using our technology tool. Um, so that's, you know, our, our first and firmo- foremost uh, goal. Um, and at this end, um, and then at the same time, um, we um, were already in, dis- you know, we're in discussions with um, uh, various companies, um, uh, you know, in the speech space. Um, to see what it would be like to, um, you know, to collaborate um, and, um, you know, enable accessibility, you know, of different kinds of products. And ultimately, um, you know, our goal is to have the greatest impact and to uh, be able to provide a technology that, you know, adds true value and can potentially, you know, transform uh you know, many lives, uh, for the better. Um, and, um, and then, I mean, expanding beyond that, like we, um, we get a lot of questions very often if our technology can expand to, um, you know, really like non-standard speech, like even more generally, such as accented speakers. And that's, you know, those are broader areas that, um, we do intend uh, to explore for sure. And um, that's, you know, all in line with our general vision, which is, um, you know, accessible speech recognition. Yeah, because I, I did find I did I have come across recently of um, some examples saying that, that Alexa and, and Google Assistant and Siri has problems with accents, and I've got a fairly strongish accent, and I thought that I'd never really had a problem with it until the other day. I was kind of what I was trying to do, and I was trying to ask Siri something. I mentioned before, didn't I, that I've been persevering with Siri. I know a lot of people have fell out of love with it, but I've been persevering with it because I'm determined for it to work. And I was asking it something. I think I can't remember what it was now but it just for the life of it would not understand me so that's an interesting area to to kind of be branching into is because that's it from from a from a technical perspective an accent isn't too far removed from somebody who's for example had a stroke because if the system can't understand it then it's then it's a noise isn't it it's not a word it's just a noise so that's an interesting area that have you started any work on on accents just yet or is that kind of like just a, a visionary sort of thing I, I can't. Well, I can't. I can't quite say, except that um, it's it's uh, definitely an area that um, can be applicable and that we can explore. Um, but you're absolutely right. There are some quotes, you know, that you know it's you know can you know for you know up to four you know to even ten percent of the population, um, you know, can't. Um, can access uh, standard speech recognition systems, and it's, and you can think. I mean, besides for um, the accented speakers uh, in uh, <laughs> with British British accents, um, you know, there's um, think of in China where you know Chinese is not one language. You know, it's um, um, I think you know dozens of of, of languages and dialects. Um, you know, we, I remember when we spoke with, um, you know, Baidu, you know, of course, you know, which is, you know, a major uh, Chinese company. And uh, of course, you know, the companies in, in Asia are also very involved in speech, but many of the, their systems aren't working for a huge percentage of Chinese speakers because it's essentially like the dialects can make it completely different language. Um, so that's, definitely a very relevant and increasingly relevant topic. Um, but I think even, um, even, um, sort of closer, uh, to home, we're also living in a world, um, both in the U S and, and in Europe of, of aging communities and, um, an, a, a larger, a large percentage of 
people like above age 65, for example, um, their voice is considered non-standard, not necessarily because of a disease or a disorder that they have, but simply because of age-related changes in their body, in their bodies, and the way um, they produce sounds. And that means that even though they might be intelligible to the people around them, um, their their smart assistants and standard speech recognition does not understand. And, And this is a um, quite higher percentage than than you would think, and so that means that there is um, relevance for us in in the um, in the category or demographic of aging adults as well, and um, that's you know an important uh, demographic uh, that we um, that we intend to um, explore. Mm. Also, I read read quite a lot of of about um kind of like the older generation really getting on with with voice assistance and stuff like that. It's 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 fantastic. I, I've told the story a few times, but my nana hates technology, and she just won't have the internet. She doesn't want to know. She wouldn't even get a DVD player. And we she was round. She was visiting, and we had an echo in the front room and an echo in the bedroom upstairs. And I dropped in on the upstairs and asked my mum if she wanted a cup of tea. And then she said yes. And then we kind of stopped it and stuff. And my nana was like, "What's all that? What's what's this about?" And then I started showing her and showed played some music and stuff. Oh no, no thanks. I don't want technology. I don't want to know about it. And then about an hour and a half later, we were in the dining room and I heard some music coming out the front room. And I walked into the front room and my, my nana's shouting at Alexa, "Alexa, play some Gordon Lightfoot." And she's just tapping a foot away so it's just it's had a it seems to be having a really big impact on on the older generation doesn't it completely completely and um um and there there's the uh, also the demand from from you know this generation as well that they you know want to access these technologies mm. it's it it it's kind of removes the 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 I think that phones are perceived as a barrier anyway, aren't they? To some people, I think you know, especially to people who didn't grow up with the internet. If if someone found out that the internet existed when they were sixty five, then not everybody is going to just embrace it at sixty five. Other, you know, my nana's eighty, so she was probably yeah, probably sixty to sixty five when she when she first found out about the internet. And and if you haven't got on board at this point, you probably never will do. Um for some people so the technology in general i think is, is a barrier to quite a lot of people but when you can just speak at something all those barriers are removed <clears throat> apart from obviously if the thing doesn't understand you but that's that's where where voice are, are kind of filling that gap so wh- how could people if if somebody wanted to try voice it or if someone has either a relative or themselves uh listening to this <clears throat> and want to kind of give it a go or think it might be useful for uh, a family member or whatever how would they go about getting up and running with voice it? What's what's the process? Is where do they get it from? Is there a cost and all that sort of stuff? How do people start using it? Mm-hmm. Well, we're currently um, running a closed beta program, so mm-hmm. we're testing only through our partner institutions um, at this point. Um, however, um, we would always welcome um, people to reach out to us and um, tell us about their story and how they like to use their our technology uh, when it's available um, and we can make sure that you know they're among the first to know when um, when our product um, is officially available to the public fantastic and for people who are involved in in this kind of voice space which is the the vast majority if not all of our listenership how can they keep track of of what's going on this this is obviously something that is going to continue voice it and and the work that you're doing is something that is inevitably going to continue to provide immense value and i can only see a world where the work that you're doing opens up this technology to a far, far greater number of people than ever would have had access to it before. And that then has impacts for everybody else working in this space who can then all of a sudden make their stuff far more accessible. How can people within the industry follow what voice it are up to and keep on top of the progress that you're making? Yeah. Um, well, we, um, I would welcome um, whoever is is interested to reach out to me personally um, or to our team through our website. Um, you can follow us um, online on Facebook as well. Um, 
And, um, you know, if uh, we do re- read the emails that we receive from our community or, or and definitely from your listeners. So uh, feel free to send an email. I'm Sarah at voiceit.com, voiceitt.com. Um, I'm Sarah uh, without an H. <laughs> so, <laughs> so feel free to reach out. Fantastic. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Any closing thoughts, anything we didn't cover that you that you wanted to emphasize before we wrap up? Well, again, um, we're, um, you know, we're a company uh, with a mission and um, we, you know, welcome the, you know, the support um, and the involvement and engagement of uh, like-minded individuals who share our commitment, our, who share, you know, our vision and our commitment. And um, there are really a lot of ways that we would love to engage uh, interested individuals. So again, like, really feel free to reach out and we'd love to talk to you. Fantastic. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That was really fun. Thanks a lot. That was Sarah Smalley of Voiceit. What a technology that is. I can really, really see a world where Voiceit is used on every single voice user interface in existence. It's far, far bigger than Alexa, far bigger than Google Assistant and Siri and Cortana. Anything that you can speak to, any form of technology that you can speak to, which will be increasing immeasurably over the next few years, we're going to be able to speak to everything as, as we, we've already kind of professed on the podcast. Uh, anything you can speak to, imagine that no matter what your situation is, whether you've had a stroke, whether you have some kind of speech impediment, anybody that has non-standard speech, speech imagine not only being able to speak to technology and have that do stuff for you, but being able to speak to other humans and be understood, giving people who don't have a voice their voice back. Absolutely immense project that they're working on there. Can't wait for it to come out of Peter. Can't wait for you all to get your hands on it. Thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us and thanks for doing us the demo there. I'm wishing you the best of luck with such an important task. Um, and I really, really do hope that Amazon and, and Microsoft, who've already invested in, in Voiceit, I really do hope that they take this right into the core of their platforms because I think that that will make the, this technology far, far, far better. But even if not, being able to give a voice to people that don't have a voice is still such a powerful thing to be able to do. So thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Uh, thank you all for listening. And until next time, see you later.